right. Praise the Lord. We thank the Lord for his goodness and for his mercy. Let's go ahead and begin in the book of Psalms. Let's go ahead and uh, pick up at verse number one. And we're going to read through. The Bible says this, um, Psalms 27 and one, a Psalm of David. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked, even mine enemies and my foes came upon me to eat up my flesh, they stumbled and fell. Amen. Though a host should encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war should rise against me, in this will I be confident. One thing have I desired of the Lord, that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. For in the time of trouble, he shall hide me. In his pavilion, in the secret of his tabernacle, shall he hide me. He shall set me upon a rock. And now shall mine head be lifted up above mine enemies round about me. Therefore will I offer in his tabernacle sacrifices of joy. I will sing, yea, I will sing praises unto the Lord. May the Lord have a blessing to the reading, hearing, doing of his word. As always, we thank the Lord for all that he has done. Um, we are picking up um, in verse number six. We thank the Lord. We actually were going to pick this up last week, and we did um, touch just probably a tiny bit on it, I think. Um, but uh, in reality, what we focused on was the uh, finishing up of verse number five. So this week, we really are in verse number six uh, in earnest. We are talking about a head lifted above the enemy. That's what we have kind of as a title here. Um, verse number six for reiteration purposes. And now my head shall be lifted up <clears throat> above my enemies all around me. And I will offer in his tent sacrifices with shouts of joy. I will sing and make melody to the Lord. Now, that's from the English Standard Version. So that's a little bit different um, from the King James Version. King James reads it. And now shall mine head be lifted up above mine enemies round about me. Therefore, will I offer in his tabernacle sacrifices of joy. I will sing. Yea, I will sing praises with my voice. Amen. We praise the Lord um, for that. Now, we want to go ahead and begin um, to pick up. In our last lesson, we finished our uh, deep dive into how God responds to our trouble. And that's really what we were dealing with. How, how does God respond? when it comes to our trouble. For the last couple of weeks, the last uh, few lessons, we have been talking uh, about that and it has been a wonderful study. We've learned a whole lot about uh, trouble, what it means uh, biblically. Um, we've learned about um, uh, uh, what God uh, was, was really driving towards, what was he really getting at um, when he allowed David to pen those words, we discussed the phrase, he shall set me upon a rock. And that's the main thing that we focused on when it came to, um, 
last when it came to last week. Um, we've really we really kind of drilled into that B portion of Psalms uh, 27 and five that says he shall set me upon a rock. And I don't know about you, but that was a wonderful study. The Lord really blessed me personally with that. So I, I with the in that study. So I pray that you were blessed as well. We also learned that the phrase uh, um, he shall set. We learned a couple things about that. We learned some interesting things. We learned that the word set means uh, in the Hebrew, the word is rum, R-U-M. OK, that's the English pronunciation of that. OK, um, for those of you, we gave this to you um, before, but for those of you who um, um, who like to take and do studying on your own and everybody should be doing that um, for further study on that, you can use the Strong's number uh, 1137 to help uh, get you going in the right direction as far as looking up that word. And it really meant to to be high or to um, or exalted. OK, that word Hebrew word uh, rum, which is really for the word set that appears in that uh, phrase in the B portion of Psalms 27 and five that says he shall set. Amen. OK, that word, it really meant to be high or to be exalted. Amen. The sense of the word we discussed, amen, is that of to lift up. OK, to take and to lift upwards. So something um, that is of uh, a lower state, amen, um, or on a lower plane, the sense of that word when we use it to set. OK, and that word set there, it literally means to lift up. OK, and to take and lift it upwards. That is the sense of what that word means. And that's very important, brothers and sisters. Make sure you keep that in mind. Lord willing, we're going to revisit that um, a little bit later. So basically, if we boil this down, uh, this word set, which is rum in the Hebrew, okay? Again, the English uh, translation of that word. Basically, it represents either the state of being on a higher plane or movement in an upward direction okay so either i'm in i'm on another uh i'm on a, i'm on another on a higher level a higher plane um 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 or i am moving in an upward direction i'm going upwards i'm going in that direction so i am either already there or i am headed there but where there is is up it is upwards it's not lower it's not on the same plane. It is not in the same arena. It is upward. Amen. Glory to God. It is higher. Okay. So that you want to keep that in mind. And I want to keep that in mind when we think of the word um, set uh, in that B portion phrase of verse number five that said, he shall set me upon a rock. Amen. Amen. We learned also that David was further revealing. OK, when he penned these words, he was really revealing the depth of what God does for him and what he does for us in the time of trouble. And specifically what he does or what he is doing for us by sitting us upon a rock. 
Amen. Because that is significant. And brothers and sisters, that's not something that we want to move over and we want to move past too quickly. God is actually doing something. And that's one of the things that we talked about, that what was God actually doing in the when he sets us upon a rock, because setting us upon a rock, we establish, especially seeing it very, very plainly in the scripture, is God's response. Okay, when he hides us in his in his pavilion and, and in the secret of his tabernacle, what he's actually doing is that he sets us upon a rock. Amen. We also learn that the rock is not a what? Amen. Amen. But is in fact a who? All right. I want to say that again. We learned last week that the rock that David was set upon and this rock that God sets us upon is, in fact, not a what, but rather it is a who. And last week we took it a step further and we really drilled into the identity of this who, because if it's not something, but rather someone, then that someone we established has an identity. And last week we really drove into that and got into that. And that was a blessing. I know it was to me. Um, and, and I pray that it was for you. For recaps purposes, we when it comes to the rock's identity, which we discovered, we discovered that number one, God is one and the one God is the rock. This is what we learned in discovering the identity of the rock. God is one. That's the first and foremost thing that you and I have to know. And the one God is the rock. So it's not many different gods. Amen. There's only one God. Amen. And that one God is the rock. We then also learn that because God is one and he alone is the rock, it also means that by default, there is only one true rock. Amen. There's only one true rock. Amen. And that's something that you want to make sure that you understand. That is something that is very, very important. The third thing that we learned about the identity is, is that the one God who is the only true rock, what did he do? He came down to us. This is what Emmanuel means, which is one of the names of God. Amen. Which simply means God with us especially, and you can see that according to Isaiah 7 and 14, amen. Therefore, the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name, what? Emmanuel, that's Isaiah uh, 7 and 14. So the one God who is the only true rock, he came down to us. That's Emmanuel. That is God with us. Okay. We see it again in Matthew 1 and 23. Amen. I invite you to read that. And when he came down, what did he do? He became our salvation and was given a name above all other names. What's that name? That name is Jesus. And we gave you Hebrews 1 and 4 to look at as well. That shows us that Jesus got that name by inheritance. Amen. And that is very, very important. Number four, we learn, amen, that the true identity of Jesus Christ is that he is in actuality the one true rock. Because why? In truth, he is really the one God. 
Amen. So the true identity of Jesus Christ is that he is actually the one true rock. And he is the one true rock. Why? Because in reality, he is the one true God. Amen. There is finally only we learned there is only and can only ever be one true rock. Amen. There can only ever be one true rock. And it is a title that can only be applied to the one true God. Amen. Since Jesus has the title of rock, what does all this mean? Well, it means that since Jesus has the title of rock, and we learned that, the only way he could have it, we also discussed last week, is if he were in actuality the one God himself. Amen. And we learned that that, my brothers and sisters, is exactly the case. Amen. He is the one true God. That is why he can have the title of the rock. That is why he is, and because he has a title of the rock and there is only one rock, we understand that by default, he must be the one true God. Why? Because there's plenty of scriptures that tells us what, that God does not share his glory. He don't share what belongs to him. Amen. So that means what? He's not giving his title to somebody else. Okay, he's not going to give his identity to anybody else. So if Jesus has it, the only way he can have it is if he is the almighty God. Amen. God is good this morning. We praise the Lord for that. We also learned that when the Lord hides us in his pavilion. Amen. Because this is what we learn in verse number five. For in the time of trouble, he shall hide me in his pavilion, in the secret of his tabernacle. Shall he hide me? He shall set me upon a rock. When the Lord hides us in his pavilion, in the secret of his tabernacle, he, in essence, we learned, is collecting and storing us unto himself. That's what he's doing. Okay. When he hides us, he's actually collecting us and he's storing us. And he does this by bringing us closer to him. Amen. When God collects us and God stores us, what he is doing or how he is doing this magnificent, incredible feat is by bringing us closer to him. The secret of his tabernacle family represents the holy of holies. Amen. The secret of this tabernacle represents the holy of holies. Amen. In addition to being brought into his presence, we are also, what we learned is we are set upon a rock. And in light of what the word or that phrase, he shall set means, in light of what that means, and, 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 and remember what we said, we said it means a state of being on a higher plane or movement in an upper direction. So we're either on a higher level or we're headed to a higher level. So in light, amen, um, in light of what that phrase actually means, brothers and sisters, being set on a rock, we learned, is the equivalent of being taken to a higher level or place in the Lord 
within the area of relationship. Amen. 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 When because of what the word set means, being a state of being on a higher plane or movement in an upward direction, God is taking us up. God is moving us above. God is moving us beyond because of what that means. The act of being set on a rock. And this is God's act, because remember, he set David on a rock and he sets us upon a rock. Well, this act of being set upon that rock, it really is the equivalent of us being taken taken to a higher level or a higher place in the Lord within the area of relationship. Now, you know this concept. Many of you have heard this concept, and 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 but a different phrase is normally used to represent it. And 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 that phrase or that we commonly or is commonly used to represent is that of this being referred to as being as going to a going to a deeper level in the Lord or going deeper in the Lord. Most people, when they talk about um going to a higher plane or going to to a higher level within the Lord, they are also, they, they refer to this affectionately as going deeper in the Lord. And so if you've heard of that, then that's what that is. Going deeper in the Lord is the same thing as being going to a, another level or another place in the Lord. And all of this deals with the area of relationship, okay? So it's not going deeper for a deeper sake. It's not, it's not going to another level just for the sake of going. No, it's to another level in your walk with God. It's another level in your closeness with God. It's another level in your relationship to God. Amen. And that's important, brothers and sisters, for us to understand. That's what, that, that, that being set on a rock really is the equivalent of being taken to a higher level, to a new place in the Lord. And I hope that's where you want to go. I hope that each and every person who hears this wants to go to another place in the Lord. See, brothers and sisters, none of us should want to be stagnant. None of us should want to stay on the same level and in the same area. God didn't call us to that. That's not what God wants. God wants for us to grow. God wants for us to know more and more about him. So in essence, it is God's will that we grow in relationship with him. We start out at a certain place. We all meet God at a certain time in our lives. And then we come into the family of God by being obedient to the process that he lays out. We're born of the water and of the spirit. Amen. As Jesus told us, we have to be. And so now we enter into what? The church. And because we are entered into the church, we are now the family of God. We're part of his family. Amen. We are children of the most high. We have been adopted into this royal family. We have literally been born again. Amen. And so now we're part of this new family. Don't you want to know about your heavenly father? Don't you want to know all that you can about his movements, his actions and everything that he has to, to say and what he has to do? Don't you want to know more? Well, I'm so glad 
that God has the ability to take us to a different level or to a higher level. Amen. So that's really good to understand that being on a rock is the equivalent of being taken to a higher level or a place in the Lord within the area of relationship. Amen. Now, in Psalms, I want to draw your attention to something. Remember Psalms 27 verse 1. Amen. Psalms 27 and verse 1 says, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Now, David declares in Psalms 27 and 1, now we've already discussed this and we've done many lessons on this. David declares that the Lord is the strength of my life or his life, okay? And we did, uh, and we said in um, in the earlier three-part lesson that was on verse number one. So I invite you to go back and listen to those, amen, on verse one, that this phrase, okay, the Lord is the strength of my life. When we broke all of that down, we discovered that that phrase actually meant something. And what it actually meant and what David was talking about and referring to is that that word phrase actually meant that God was David's mountain stronghold. Amen. We learned that that strength, that that strength, when you break it down, it ties out to be the word stronghold. But the sense of the stronghold um, being used there or the word stronghold there is not just of some sort of uh, a base or facility. No, no, no. It's a mountain stronghold. Amen. And that's something that you want to keep in mind. See, the B portion of verse five. All right. In our text. That says, he shall set me upon a rock, okay? The B portion of verse five, he shall set me upon a rock, is actually referencing or tying us back into that very word picture that was painted in verse one when he used the word strength, or the Lord is the strength of my life, that of the mountain stronghold. Okay, and that's something that you want to keep in mind when the B portion of verse five talks about, he says, he shall set me upon a rock. And when David talks, says that David is actually referring back to or tying us back to verse number one to the word picture and the concept that was expressed in the word uh, strength of my life or phrase strength of my life, which actually meant the mountain stronghold or a mountain stronghold. Now, understanding, okay, this word picture in verse one, amen, understanding the word picture in verse one sets the stage for our understanding of verse number five, amen, amen, amen. It, 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 it sets the tone for our understanding. See, the stronghold talked about in verse number one that provides this military advantage due to its location. It's in fact, this stronghold, amen, glory to God, watch how we tie all this together. The stronghold that is being referenced, okay, 
by the phrase strength of my life in verse one that provides this military advantage due to its location. What do you mean by that? Remember, it's a mountain stronghold. So which means that it is an elevated position. It is a strategic, it is a militaristic location that is located on a higher plane or at a higher elevation. Watch how all this ties together. That location that David was talking about, the stronghold that David was referring to, brothers and sisters, was in fact the pavilion or the tabernacle that David was talking about in verse number five. In other words, the stronghold, brothers and sisters, that David was talking about or referring to in verse number one is the pavilion, the tabernacle, or the house of the Lord that David is talking about or spoke about in verse number five. Amen. Amen. Glory to God. Glory to God. David was really trying to tell you something. He was showing us something. What was he showing us? That his confidence, amen, came from the truth that his safety and his security came from being in or covered over by the house of the Lord. That's where his confidence came from. That's, that, 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 that's where all that determination, that will to stand up and to, to face fears and to face the enemy and to deal with the problems and the things head on. Where did it come from? It came from the truth that David realized something, that his safety, his security, it came from being covered over by the house of the Lord. When God, amen, amen, covers one over or covers one in his house, in his pavilion, in the secret of his tabernacle. Glory to God. You know what he's actually doing? He actually, when he does this, when he covers you over, he actually sets you on a rock. Amen. He sets you on a rock. That's what he's doing. When God covers you over in his house, in his pavilion, or in his tabernacle, what he's actually doing, brothers and sisters, is setting us on a rock. See, when God, when we are set on a rock, a rock in scripture represents some things. Now we learned about the identity of the rock, but let's talk about a few little other things as we lead into getting into our uh, our, our our text scripture here, um, which is verse number six. And this is all part of, this is actually, it's all, this is all foundational to verse number uh, verse number six, but we got we got to travel this way. So just just go along for the ride and and bless God one hundred percent along the way. See, when we are set on a rock, family, a rock in Scripture can be both an image of a secure military position. Amen. It can be an image of a of a secure military position. Look at Psalms eighteen and two. The Lord is my rock and my what? Fortress and my deliverer, my God, my strength in whom I will trust, my buckler and the horn of my salvation and my high tower. Do you see that? 
Do you see, do you see that? Look at Psalms 31 and look at verse number two. Bow down thine ear to me. Deliver me speedily. Be thou my strong rock for an house of defense to save me. Oh, are you hearing God this morning? Are you seeing it? Are you seeing that image of the, the rock, the image being portrayed, that of a strong or secure military position? Not convinced yet? How about Psalms 94? Look at verse 22. But the Lord is my defense and my God is the rock of my refuge. Oh, amen. Glory to God. Glory to God. See, when we're set on a rock, the rock in scripture is both a beautiful picture, an image of a secure military position. We just gave you three psalm, three scriptures in Psalms. And it is also an allusion to the rock. In addition, it is an allusion to the rock on which Yahweh's temple, our God's temple is founded, which we learned last week is what? Jesus Christ. Remember 1 Corinthians 10, starting at verse two, going through verse four, says as follows, and we're all baptized unto Moses in the cloud and in the sea and did all eat the same spiritual meat and did all drink the same spiritual drink for they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them. And that rock, who was it? Was Christ. Amen. So we see these things that the rock represents. The rock in scripture can represent a secure military position, but it can also it also can represent that rock or the foundation upon which the temple of God is founded. And that is the Lord Jesus Christ. The rock then, brothers and sisters, is and should be understood that the rock is an elevated position. And because it is an elevated position, it represents a high place in God. Amen. The rock is an elevated position in scripture. Amen. It's an elevated position. And because it is so, it represents a high place in God. Look at Psalm 61. And I want you to look at verse number two. And I want you to go to verse number four. From the end of the earth will I cry unto thee. When my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. For thou hast been a shelter for me and a strong tower from the enemy. I will abide in thy tabernacle forever. I will trust in the covert of thy wings, Selah. Did you hear that? Did you hear that? Go back to verse number two. Lead me to the rock. That is what? Higher than I. I told you. The rock in scripture 
is an elevated position. Amen. It is an elevated location. And it represents, because of its elevation, it represents a high place in a strong, in a mighty, and a stable, and a solid God that absolutely does not change. What he said is still what he said. What he does is still what he's done. And there is nothing and no one that can change it. So then, there are things for us to understand and to keep in mind when we consider the rock. Amen. The rock, number one, brothers and sisters, is higher than we are. Keep that in mind. The rock is higher than we are, and it will always be higher than we are. The rock is higher than us. And because of this, what does that mean? It means that because the rock is higher, has a higher elevation, it means that the rock provides a better vantage point for us. Amen. 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 Because the rock is higher than we are, then by default, it alone provides the best vantage point for us to view our surroundings. Jesus said, watch and pray that you enter not into temptation. Amen. Amen. He told us the spirit was willing, but it was the flesh. It is the flesh that is weak. But he said, watch and pray. Brothers and sisters, there's nothing better than watching and praying from the rock. Why? Because it is the highest vantage point by which when you are upon it, you can see everything around you clearly. You can see the enemy moving. You can see how things are unfolding. You can see what's coming a ways off. That's the beauty of an elevated vantage point. Is that you can, you don't, is is that it removes the sometimes difficult situation of being taken off guard or caught unawares or being surprised. See, when you're on the rock, there's no need to be taken by surprise. Why? Because the rock provides a vantage point where you and I should be able to see clearly. The other thing is, is that not only does it provide a better vantage point for us, but the other thing to remember is, is that the rock is also higher than the enemy, no matter who they are and no matter what they are and no matter where they are. The rock is not only higher than you and I, but the rock, brothers and sisters, is higher than the enemy also. And that's a mighty good thing to know. Why? Because it means that the rock not only provides a better vantage point for you and I, but it also means that the rock provides a better advantage spot 
over the enemy. I've got a better vantage point to see what's going on around me because of the elevation, but also glory to God. Because of that elevation, when the enemy comes up and begins to step up or tries to, to overtake me, the rock provides a better fighting advantage spot over the enemy. Because it's a whole lot easier to fight going downhill than it is going up. Glory to God. And it's going to always be that way. Whoever has the elevated ground has the advantage. And the Lord God Almighty is telling us that in the time of trouble, what he does is he sets us on a rock. And he, when he sets us on a rock, he sets us in a place that's higher than we are. And he sets us in a place that is higher than the enemy. And because we have been set on that rock, that means that we've got a better vantage point to see the tactics of the enemy, of the devil, and anything else that wants to come up against God and his way. We get to see it along, you know what I'm saying, from a place where we can see it a long ways away. Don't ain't no, no need for the enemy to have to sneak up on us. No, we ought to be able to see him coming. Glory to God. And then not only that, we've got the fighting tactical advantage because it's a whole lot harder, I mean easier for us to fight going downhill than it would ever be for us to fight going uphill. When the enemy wants to try to take you, he's got an uphill battle in order to take you. Glory to God. And I don't know about you, but that is some mighty, wonderful, wonderful good news. Amen. The rock is higher than we are. And the rock is higher than the enemy is. Amen. Now, let's look at, amen. This is just, this is just good, good, good. Psalms 27 and 6. This leads us right to the front door of that. Amen. Glory to God. David says, because he has been hidden by the Lord. Psalms 27 and 6. Amen. David says that because he has been hidden by the Lord. Remember, verse five told us that's what he, he hides us in his pavilion in the secret of his tabernacle. What does he do? He sets us upon a rock. OK, David in verse 26 now starts saying, because of all of this, his head shall be lifted up. Amen. 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 Uh, watch how God does this. I'm, I'm telling you, I just love God's word. David says, because of all of this. What, what the Lord Almighty has done, he says, my head shall be lifted up. Amen. And now shall my head be lifted up above mine enemies round about me. Therefore, will I offer in his tabernacle sacrifices of joy. I will sing, yea, I will sing praises unto the Lord. Psalms 27 and 6. Verse 6, brothers and sisters implies something. Now, I want you to watch this. David said, and now shall my head, mine head, be lifted up above mine enemies round about me. Let's dig into that phrase. Let's dig into that. Watch this. David says, now my head will be lifted up. Verse six, if you look at it, when David says my head will be lifted up, that implies something. What does it imply? 
It implies, family, that at this point or up to this point, David's head was not lifted up. Amen. Did you see that? Watch that. He says, and now shall my head be lifted up. Amen. Amen. It's not until verse six that you see this. And now shall my head be lifted up. It implies that up until this point, his head is not lifted up. And if his head is not lifted up, the inverse or the opposite of it being lifted up is that it is what? Bowed down. Amen. It implies that up to this point, that David's head is bowed down. And bowing in scripture has a variety of significances. It has a lot of different meanings. It represents a lot of different things. And you, it's, 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 it's something that, that you just read the word long enough and, you're, and you will come across many different instances Amen. Many different instances of people who are bowing or there's some sort of bowing going on. Okay. And you will see it in a variety of different ways. Amen. You'll see it um, in the spiritual sense and you'll see it in the physical sense in scripture. Bowing is a common practice. Okay. In scripture, you don't have to go that far before you see it. You see it in the Old Testament and you see it all the way into the New Testament. It's not an uncommon thing, okay? Um, but it represents something and it is representative of really many different things, not just something, but it represents many different, can represent many different things. See, bowing in scripture, family, is an expression of submission and humility. Amen. Look at Genesis 42 and 6. And Joseph was the governor over the land. And he it was that sold to all the people of the land. And Joseph's brethren came and look at what they did and bowed down before, bowed down themselves before him with their faces to the earth. Amen. Look at 2 Samuel. I want you to look at verse number two. And it came even to pass on the third day that behold, a man came out of the camp from Saul with his clothes rent and earth upon his head. And so it was when he came to David that he fell to the earth and did obeisance. Okay, that's bowing down. All right, that's what he's, that's what he's doing. Look at Psalms 72. I want you to look at verse number nine. They that dwell in the wilderness shall bow before him and his enemies shall lick the dust. Amen. Amen. So look at that. You see this. You see bowing. It is an expression of submission, but it is also an expression and a position of humility. Okay. Bowing. And you see that in the scripture. Bowing is also family an expression of sorrow, okay? It's an expression, not just of submission, not just of humility, 
But bowing in scripture is also an expression of sorrow. I want you to look at Psalms 35, look at 14. I behaved myself as though he had been my friend or brother. I bowed down heavily as one that mourneth for his mother. Look at that. I told you, expression of sorrow. Look at Psalms 145, and I want you to look at verse 14. The Lord upholdeth all that fall and raiseth up all those that be bowed down. In this text here, it's talking about bowing or those who are bowed down in the sense and from the weight of sorrow, okay, or mourning, okay? So this is not a, this is not a, uh, this is not a, um, this is not, oh, I'm trying to um, show myself submitted. And this is not, oh, I'm trying to show myself um, as humble, although it represents those things. But this is, I'm, 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 I'm in grief. I'm in sorrow. I want you to look also at, look at Psalms 38. I want you to look at verse number six. I am troubled. I am what? Bowed down greatly. I go mourning all the day long. Do you see that? Do you see that? An expression of sorrow. Look at Psalms 57. Look at verse number six. They have prepared a net for my steps. My soul is bowed down. They have digged a pit before me. Into the midst whereof they are fallen themselves, Selah. You see that? He says, my soul, he said, they prepared a net for my, for my steps. That means they were trying to, they were trying to ensnare me. They're trying to trap me. And because of that, he says, my soul is bowed down. That means, what is he saying? He's saying, I was depressed. He said, I, I, I was feeling low. Amen. Look at Psalms 146. Why not you look at verse number eight? The Lord openeth the eyes of the blind. The Lord raiseth them that are bowed down. The Lord loveth the righteous. What is he talking about? Raising those that are bowed down. He's talking about that person that is of a low continence, that is of a low state. Why? Because things have happened. Depression perhaps has set in. Disappointment has arrived. And he said that the Lord lifts them up. Look at Lamentations, chapter two. Look at verse number 10. The elders of the daughter of Zion sit upon the ground and keep silence. They have cast up dust upon their heads. They have girded themselves with sackcloth. The virgins of Jerusalem hang down their heads to the ground. Do you see that? All of those gave you several scriptures. Bowing is an expression of submission. It is an expression of humility, but it is also an expression of sorrow and can even be a sign of shame, bowing down. So you see that, you see that. But David says, now shall my head be lifted up. Those are some of the things that bowing represents in scripture. Those are some of the things. But I want you to notice something else interesting about this text. Notice this. Not only does it imply that David's head was bowed down, 
But notice something else. David doesn't say, amen, that he will lift his own head. Watch the language of the scripture. And now shall mine head be lifted up above mine enemies. David does not say that he, though we can see that clearly if his head wasn't lifted up, that meant it meant it was bowed down. But David does not say that as a result of being placed on the rock, being hidden in the pavilion in his temple, David does not say that he will lift up his own head. Did you see that? No, he didn't say that. Nor, watch this, does David say that he has been given power to lift up his own head? Amen. <laughs> Notice this. Glory to God. God is good. Why, why, uh, God, David, the scripture plainly tells us his head shows us that if his head's not lifted up, the inverse of that is that it's bowed down. But David clearly says that now my head shall be lifted up. But what he does not say is, is that he himself will lift up his head. Nor does he say that he himself had the power to lift up his head. Amen. Why? Because, brothers and sisters, the focus is not on what David is able to do for himself. Nor is it on the power that has been given to him to do for himself. The focus is not on any of that. It's not on what David can do, nor is it on the power that has been given to him. Uh-uh. The focus, brothers and sisters, is clearly on what only God Almighty can do. And I, I, I listen, I want to, I want, I want, I want to share this with somebody. I hope that when you hear this, no matter what time of day it is, no matter where you are. Amen. I want, I want you to hear this. David's head was bowed down and he said clearly that now his head shall be lifted up. But what he didn't say was that he was going to do it. And he didn't say that he had the power to do it. And that's because the focus of this text is not on what David is now able to do. No. And it's not on what he had the ability to do from the beginning or at any point. It's not on that, brothers and sisters. But the focus of this scripture is clearly on what God Almighty can do. And I want to tell you something. I want to share this with you. Listen, there are some battles that are not yours to fight. Time, look, it's things come up and situations we find ourselves in are less than ideal at times. And we find ourselves with a fight on our hands. And not knowing what to do. But I want to remind somebody today that the battle is the Lord's. I want you to know, look, if you don't walk away from this lesson with anything else, I want you to know today that the battle is the Lord's. No matter what you come up against, no matter what you are facing, some battles, there are some fights that's too big for you. There are some things that you cannot do. There are some places that you on your own cannot go. You can't get yourself into. You cannot do for yourself. There are some times and some situations, brothers and sisters, where you need the Lord God Almighty to 
to step in for you. Second Chronicles 20 and 15 said, and he said, hearken ye all Judah and ye inhabitants of Jerusalem and thou King Jehoshaphat, thus saith the Lord unto you, be not afraid nor dismayed by reason of this great multitude for the battle is not yours, but God's. Do you hear first Samuel 17 and 47 and all this assembly shall know that the Lord saveth not with sword and spear for the battle is the Lord's and he will give you into our hands. I hope you hear Zechariah 4 and 6 saying plainly, then he answered and spake unto me saying, this is the word of the Lord unto Zerubbabel. Listen, not somebody else's word, but the word of the Lord unto Zerubbabel saying, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. Do you hear Acts chapter 16 and 31? And they said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou what? Shall be saved and thy house. I want you to know something, brothers and sisters, that sometimes the battle is not for you at all, but the battle is for the Lord. And you need to know that when you come up against those times and those situations where they are difficult and you're fighting and you're warring and it seems like you're not making no ground, seem like you're not making no progress, the more you try, it seems like the worse things get. I want to tell you that that's a sign that that battle is too big for you. That battle is for the Lord. All you need to do is stand still and see the salvation of the Lord, but you let God fight that battle for you. I want you to understand something brothers and sisters that not only is not only is bowing a a a sign of submission and humility and yes sometimes it can have to it can be an expression of sorrow it can be an expression of 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 regret it can be all of those different things it can even be a sign or an expression of of shame but you know what else bowing is a sign of bowing is a sign of worship do you hear exodus chapter 4 31 and the people believe and when they heard that the Lord had visited the children of Israel and that he had looked upon their affliction, they bowed their heads. And what did they do? They worshiped. Do you hear second Chronicles 20 and 18 saying, and Jehoshaphat bowed his head with his face to the ground and all Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem fell before the Lord. What did they do? Worshiping the Lord. Do you hear Psalms 95 and 6 saying, Oh, come, let us what? Worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our, ma our maker. Lord, I thank God that bowing is also a sign of worship. See, a lifted up head, brothers and sisters, is a sign of confidence in the face of the enemy. Deuteronomy 20 and 1 says, when thou goest out to battle against thine enemy and seest horses and chariots and a people more than thou, be not afraid. We talking about confidence. Be not afraid of them for the Lord thy God is with thee, which brought thee up out of the land of Egypt. A lifted up head, brothers and sisters, is and can be a sign of confidence in the face of the enemy, but but a head that is lifted above the enemy is more 
than a sign of confidence. It is a place of divine exaltation. It is a place of divine elevation. It is a place that God places you and where you are, you are beyond the reach of the enemy. It is a place we reach when God places us on a rock. It is a place on the rock that is of such an elevated position. Glory to God. It's so elevated that when God sets you there, and remember that word set meant to be put up high or exalted. When God sets you on a rock, it implies, brothers and sisters, that the object, which is the rock, is actually higher in elevation than the surroundings. When you are placed there, by default, we are positioned higher than everything else surrounding us. Because your head, watch this, is a part of your body. And now your body, your being, has been placed on a higher elevation. By default, your head and my head is now higher than the enemy. The elevation of my head changed, but the position of my head stayed the same. Glory to God. What are you talking about? My head is higher. By way of elevation. But the position of my head is still bowed. Glory to God. My head is higher than the enemy because I'm now on a higher plateau. I'm on another level with the Lord. I'm in a deeper location, so to speak. So my head is now higher by default. Why? It's higher because I'm on the rock. Your head is higher because you're on the rock. But just because your elevation changed don't mean your position is supposed to change. Because I told you that bowing is a sign of worship. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. My head is higher. But my head is still bowed. It's higher because I'm on a rock. But the position is still that of submission. The position is still that of humility. The position is still, the posture is still that of worship. So I'm higher, but at the same time, my head is bowed. And I don't know how you feel about it, but I'm glad that I'm both higher and my head is still bowed down. Why? Because I'm higher than the enemy, than my problems. But at the same time, I'm maintaining a position or an attitude of worship. See, I might be higher, but my head is bowed down. And because my head is bowed down, it means that when I look down now, my head might be bowed, but it is not in defeat. 
It might be bowed, but it's not because I lost. But it's bowed in adoration to my Jesus. Glory to God. It's bowed down in submission to my Lord. I might be looking down, but at the same time, I've been raised up. You have been raised up. And I might be looking down and you might be looking down, but I'm not looking down in defeat. But instead, I'm looking down on my troubles. I'm looking down on my past. I'm looking down on my shortcomings. I'm looking down on my faults. I'm looking down on my failures. I'm looking down on my addictions. I'm looking down on my temptations. Glory to God. I might be looking down. But now I got the look, you got the look of a champion who's just received victory from Jesus. And what you are doing while you are looking down is that you are looking down on a fallen enemy that has been defeated. Glory, glory to God. The elevation changes, but the position doesn't. David's head was lifted up because his whole being was elevated by being placed on the rock that is higher than him. He's up higher than the enemy, than all his trials, than all his struggles in all his situations. His head is both lifted up but bowed at the same time. Lifted up because I've been raised up. He was raised up. You have been raised up. You've been placed on a rock. But at the same time, you must maintain that submitted posture you got to bow and be reverence and reverence before God. You got to humble yourself before the Lord and realize that your today is not like your yesterday because you've been lifted up. You've been put on a rock. And yes, your head is bowed. And yes, you are looking down. But family, you are not looking down in defeat but you are looking down at defeat, a defeated enemy, a defeated foe. You're now looking down on all your troubles, shortcomings and setbacks, all your faults, all your failures, all the addictions and all the temptations because we are more than conquerors through Christ Jesus. You might be looking down, but it is the look of a champion beholding a fallen foe. That fallen foe is both the devil and that old sinful nature. God bless you. We're going to go ahead and stop the recording here. Wow.